You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. We're starting in Philippians 3, and today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about fear. Fear, he is a liar. He is a liar. Did you know that fear is the most reoccurring subject in Scripture? The most, number one, the most reoccurring subject that's talked about in Scripture is fear. Fear is spoken of over 500 times in the King James Version. It's different in different versions because some stuff's worded a little different. So not that the King James is better than the other, but just over 500 times in the King James Version. And fear not or be not afraid is 103 times mentioned in King James. Fear not. Be not afraid. It's a command. And it's mentioned over and over and over and over in Scripture. If if God let that make it into Scripture that many times, I think it's pretty important. And not only is it pretty important, but I think it must be something that a lot of us deal with. Because why else would it be in there so many times? Fear not or be not afraid was said to Abraham, the father of our faith. Father Abraham, fear not. Don't be afraid. It was also said to Moses, the one that led a couple million people out of slavery. Fear not. Don't be afraid. God had to say it over and over and over to Joshua when he took over for Moses. When he would lead all those people into the promised land, and God had to keep saying, be strong. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Be courageous. Don't be scared, Joshua. You got to get past your fear. Remember who I am. Remember how strong I am. He said it to Ruth and David and Daniel and the disciples and even Mary. Fear not, he had the angel tell Mary. Fear not, don't be afraid. I got an awesome plan for your life. It's going to look real rough right now. And there's going to be some hurt and some loss and some pain, but don't be afraid. It's an awesome plan that I have for you. So fear will stop you. Fear will limit you. It'll intimidate you. Fear will take your peace. And it'll make you want to quit. It'll make you quit if you let it. Yesterday I decided that I was going to turn a backflip off of a swing into Lake Weedowie. And I climbed up there with my baby feet on the rocks and struggled up the side of the hill and got up there and decided I can do the backflip off the swing after Malachi said I couldn't. Uh, and as I swung down, as soon as my feet left those rocks, everything in my mind decided, nope, you're not going to do it. It doesn't matter. No one else has done it. You don't have to do it. Let go of the rope and fall in the water and laugh and swim back to the boat. It's over. It, One person did it. Yeah, Malachi had a friend with him that she did it beautifully. No one else could do it. (laughs) So, uh, as I was flying through the air on this swing, and it was, I mean, guys, this wasn't no baby swing. It was hundreds of inches tall. It was high, okay? And a frayed rope. (laughs) All right, so anyways, let's... Get back to the point. Um, my mind 
started wanting to be afraid that you can't flip. What if you land funny? What if you don't? This is going to look stupid. Just drop off and whatever. And I even, after looking back at Journey's video, I did turn a back flip. It was in slow motion and it wasn't really graceful, but it was a back flip. And I landed okay in the water and it was kind of weird, but I even like let out this yell as I was doing it. Ah! You know what that was? Me trying to overcome that fear of me talking myself into not doing it. Only made sense. Fear will stop you from the plan. It'll make you quit. It'll make you abort. Abort mission. It's a bad idea. What makes a kid good at football? Courage, heart, or they have no fear. It's not that any of them are like way stronger than the other ones or they spend a lot more time in the weight room. They're not. I'm talking about like rec ball, football. It's just the kids that aren't afraid are good. And the kids that are scared aren't good. Do you know, where's Sky? Speaking of kids. Oh, okay. I thought he skipped out on church. Give him something to fear or be afraid of. <laughs> Sky is a good football player. Sky's a really good football player. If you've not got anything to do in the fall on Saturdays, you might want to come watch Tallapoosa 9 and 10 and see Sky. <laughs> Sky's a good football player, but guess what? He's going to make mistakes. That's not what's going to mess him up. That's not what will keep him from being a good football player is if he drops a pass. That's okay. That happens. Everybody makes mistakes. What will make him be a lousy football player is if he gets scared. We played... Uh, Sky played baseball with a kid, and I won't say his name because this is going on the podcast, and I don't know if he might ever end up listening to it. But this kid, year before last, Sky played with him, and it was the first year of kid pitch. And every time they pitched him the ball, he's standing there holding the bat, and every time they pitched him the ball, here's what he did. <laughs> Jumped out of the batter's box. Take a step back. Jump back. The coaches yelled at him and screamed at him and they laid bats behind him so that told him don't hit the bat, don't step over the bat. No matter what they tried, no matter what they said, he jumped back every single time and he never got a hit and he never got on base. He came up to bat every single game and he never got a hit. He jumped back, strike out every single time. So when he stepped up to bat, nobody even thought he was going to get on base. Just like, well, out. And the kids are ready to just walk on in the dugout if we already had two outs because you know he's going to get out. Why? Why was he so scared? Why would he not listen to the instructions of the authority? Either he had gotten hit, like he got hurt, or he was just afraid he was going to get hurt. And so he jumped out every time. But the fear made him unable to do what the coach was asking him to do. And so he let his team down every chance he got. Every time it came to his part of the batting order, he let his team down. That's what fear will make you do. 
we're all part of a body. We're part of a team. We're supposed to be doing these things together. But if you let fear control you and you don't learn how to conquer your fear and have some faith instead of fear, you'll let your team down every time. Every time it's on you. You'll jump back. Why? Because you've been hurt in the past. You have. I'm not taking away from hurt or pain. Or you're afraid you're going to get hurt. Either way, fear will stop you from being effective. We all fail. We've all been hurt, I'm sure. If not, if you've never been hurt or you've never failed, you might be in the wrong service. There's a nursery back here. You probably haven't lived very long. We've all been hurt. We've all failed. Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt. Oh, look at that. Look around. A whole lot of people. How about... Raise your hand if you've ever been lied to. We've all been lied to. Oh, my hand's up too. Raise your hand if anybody's ever stolen anything from you. Wow. But guess what? We fail too. We mess up too. Have you ever lied to anybody? Now, are you lying to me saying you've never lied? See, I, I don't know. Is that all? Have you ever stolen anything from anybody, even a piece of chewing gum from your cousin? Not to get too specific, but... <laughs> oh, look at that. There's a bunch of thieves in the room. Have anybody in here ever procrastinated? Now, the real procrastinators will raise their hand after service. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we all mess up. The point is that we all fail, we all fall down, but we can't let fear of failure in the future keep us from trying again. We trip and fall, we can't be, just be so afraid that we won't get back up and run again. We have to learn how to get past that fear. How fast will you get up when you fall? Most fear can be boiled down to two things. Number one, fear of failure. Or number two, fear of pain or hurt. It'll stop you from your purpose. It'll stop you from what God has for you. Look at Philippians 3. Um, Philippians 3, verse 6. You've heard this scripture a bunch of times. Be careful. Some translations say anxious, fearful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So he's saying, bring everything to God. Don't be anxious and scared and worried and fearful about what's going to happen. Everything, big, small, real, fake, in your mind, it doesn't matter. Paul's saying, everything, bring it to God, let it be made known to God. Why? Because God will change your situation and rescue you out of it. No. That's not what it says. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. The peace of God that we don't even understand. It passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why? Because your heart and mind, that's where fear takes place. It's in here and in here in your heart and your mind and your soul and your emotions. It says God will give you peace. Verse 8. Well, how am I supposed to do that? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
Whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, or anything to be thankful for, think on these things. What's Paul trying to say? Focus on the good. So focusing on the, the negative and the fear and what might happen if I do this and I might get hurt if I do that. And I, God tells you to do something and all of a sudden we start thinking of everything that could go wrong. And what if I do that? And what if, oh, I'm going to go over there and talk to her. What if she thinks this? And what if I do? We start getting anxious, fear, because we're not focusing on the good things. So there are all kinds of fears. And as I was studying for this message, I was doing some research and looking some different things up. And there's like lists of fears. You can look up the top 100 fears. And now they're diagnosing people with all these fears and putting people on different medications for all different kinds of phobias. Right? You can look in the dictionary and it'll give you a list of different types of phobias. A lot of them are kind of hard to pronounce. But some of them are, they make sense. I mean... Some I can kind of understand. There's the fear of snakes or the fear of spiders or the fear of heights. or There's different things like that. But some of them I was reading, I just wanted to share a few of these with you. I may mess up some of these uh, pronunciations, but gyroscophobia is the fear of getting old. Good luck with that. It's coming, ready or not. Trust me. Uh, cheetophobia is the fear of hair. How do you survive? Everybody's got some kind of hair. There's hair on my arm, there's hair on my head. And oh, and then tie that with the one we just talked about the fear of getting older. And the older you get, more hair comes up in different places. Good luck with that. <laughs> How about agrophobia? You know what that is? Some of you may have this and you didn't know it. It's the fear of work. I heard that. Oh, that's why a lot of y'all don't show up for work days when we're getting ready for camp. You got that phobia, that fear. (laughs) All right, check this one out. This is a good one right here. Allodoxophobia. I'm pretty sure I said that one right. Allodoxophobia is... Hey, men, grab out a pen. You're going to want to use this one later. The fear of opinions. Huh? Hey, look at this. Some of these guys are grabbing pens and have never took a note in church before. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. I'm glad you got that opinion. But remember, I've got allodoxophobia. i got the fear of opinions. You can't tell me. Not. Uh-uh. It's a good one. It's This is a cool one right here. I'm going to attempt to say it. Hippopotamonstrosisquapidialeophobia. It's got 36 letters in it. And the guy that made this up was a jerk. Because the meaning of it is the fear of long words. It is the longest word I've ever seen in my life. Like I've got it written down and it takes up. Look, can you see this green line? This is one word. 
the fear of long words. Let's make it the longest word anybody's ever seen. So we'll terrify the people that have it. And now you can't even tell people what phobia you have because you're scared of it. The name of it. It's ridiculous. Antidiaphobia is the fear of ducks. Okay, spiders, yeah. Snakes, yeah. Lions, tigers, bears, oh my. Yeah, sure. A duck? Why are you afraid of a duck? Speaking of that, I was thinking about this. If it, if somebody throws something at our president, does the Secret Service yell Donald Duck? I was just wondering. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Who is scared of a duck? Um, not me. A tiger? Maybe. I'm not, but I'm sure a lot of you are. I need to get back on track here. Where's my notes? You can be scared of a tiger. That's okay. And uh, tigers have killed more humans than any other large cat. Right? More than lions, more than any other animal. I found this pretty interesting. Um, because tigers puzzled researchers for years. They couldn't figure out why. But whether it's a human or some kind of prey, somehow tigers have the ability to paralyze their prey. That's why they're so deadly. They would paralyze their prey before they ever got to it. And, and researchers tried to figure it out for years and couldn't. And so many tigers, a lot back in the day, not so much now, in 1903, they finally captured a tiger that they called Man Killer, and he had killed over 200 men or people, and they didn't kill him. They put him in a zoo, and people paid to come look at him. I mean, who wants to feed that one? What's your job, zookeeper? I'm feeding Man Killer. Okay, so tigers are so deadly, but they couldn't figure out why that they have the ability to paralyze their prey with fear more than any other animal. But at the turn of this century, scientists discovered why. When a tiger is about to attack its prey, it finds a good hiding spot and it crouches down in the underbrush or behind some weeds or something like that. And when he's ready to attack, he will jump out and let out a roar. When he lets out that roar is when the prey, the human, whatever it is, freezes. A lot of men have been killed holding guns in their hand that could kill that tiger. But they freeze just long enough for the tiger to jump on them. And it never made sense until scientists discovered this, that... That when the tiger roar, it lets out sound waves that are audible. The ones that sound terrifying. And it also lets out a sound at a frequency so low that you can't even hear it. But you can feel it. And in some cases, it's so low and so powerful that it can make your heart skip a beat. Have you ever been at a concert and been standing down in the front and they got the bass turned up so loud that... You can feel it. The tiger has the ability 
when it roars, it lets out a sound that's so deep at, at such a frequency that you can feel it in your body. You can't even hear it with your ears. It's, it's so low. So you can feel it. And as the tiger emerges from the undergrowth in such a fast, jumping, leaping way, the flashing of all of its colors happened too. So the sound of its roar and the impact of the unheard but felt sound waves with the color rush of all the stripes coming out of the bushes combined to provide an all-out assault on your senses, scientists say. It attacks your sight, your feeling, and your hearing all at the same time. Fear from all three of those. The effect is that you are momentarily paralyzed. You can't move because of the fear. Your body doesn't know what to do. Go with what I see, go with what I hear, go with what I feel. It's all three fear. You don't know what to do and you freeze. Even a man that's standing there holding a rifle that could, that could kill that animal, but fear paralyzes you. That's what fear will do. It'll paralyze you to where you don't run, you don't fight, and you'll lose the battle every time. It's estimated that in the last five centuries that one million people have been eaten by tigers. From fear. That's what fear does. It'll paralyze you. Scared of what might happen. You'll do nothing. And you'll lose the challenge at hand. Cathisophobia is the fear of sitting down, by the way. Anybody got that one? <laughs> oh, God, I'm so tired. I'm so upset. So How's that? How do you... Never mind. <clears throat> one more. Can I tell you one more? Pelidophobia. This is a cool one. It's the fear of bald people. <laughs> so like you love your grandpa. I love you, grandpa. And then your grandpa goes bald. Ah! Or like, what if you grow up to be bald yourself? Uh, anyway, okay. That's ridiculous. Most of these fears that I read you are ridiculous. Not if it's you. We're all laughing and having a good time and we think it's funny, but if you're, if you have one of these fears, then you don't think that's ridiculous. In fact, you might be mad at me if you're scared of bald people and I just made fun of it. If so, I apologize. Because when it's us, it seems real. And that fear controls us. You were only born with two fears. God put two fears in you when you were born. I started preaching this message to Paisley in the hospital the other day. I was going to announce our new visitor, but she's not here today. So, My new niece. And she pulled her hand out from under the blanket and started waving it in the air. So, You were only born with two fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Everybody's born with that. You know, the, the fear of loud noises, we all do the same thing. When we hear a loud noise and we get scared, everybody, I don't know why, I don't know if that'll save your life or what, but I've noticed that we all drop one inch. 
You ever notice that? You scare somebody and they drop an inch. Doesn't matter what language you speak. But if that's the only two fears that we were born with, and I just named off a bunch of ridiculous fears, and then there's a bunch of fears that we could probably all agree that aren't ridiculous. There's one phobia that means fear of women. It's not ridiculous. Uh, but heights and tigers and lions, there's all kinds of fears that we could agree are not ridiculous. And all these fears, but guess what? They're all learned. We learn these fears. Fear of flying. Fear of public speaking. We learn these fears. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, Scripture tells us. So, if we've learned it, then that means we believed it. We believed a lie that was told to us. It may have been told to us by pain, or by a parent, or by an experience. Or, But if we have that fear... We weren't born with that fear, and God didn't give us a spirit of fear, so we've learned it. We picked it up somewhere, and we believed the lie. Faith believes that something good will happen, and fear believes that something bad's going to happen. You can have faith and believe that, hey, even if it looks bad right now, even if I can't figure it out, like, my God's big enough that He's going to work it out. So that's what faith says. But fear believes that, oh, Lord, something bad's going to happen again. Always bad stuff happens to me every time with me and my family. Back to what Paul said about thinking on good things. Think on what is true, not the lie. I got good news for you today. If you learned it, you can unlearn it. And if you believe a lie, or you're believing a lie, you can replace that lie with truth. But you have to replace it with the truth. You can't just forget about it and move on. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. You're going to get scareder. Mm -mm. You have to replace it with something else. Look at 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1.6. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. And most of the, the scholars agree that Timothy was probably in his early 20s. And he became the pastor of the church at Ephesus that they say was somewhere between 20 and 25,000 people. It was the largest church back in that day the largest church that anybody had ever heard of. They had to have a whole entire Colosseum. And, and Timothy was scared. Timothy was worried and didn't feel like he was going to be a good leader or he would do the wrong thing and he was scared. And, and we look at some of Paul's letters as a spiritual father and that's what we're about to look at as one of Paul's letters to Timothy. But Timothy was afraid. Paul said to him, Hey, Timothy, man, drink some wine for the stomach's sake. You need to take a little bit of medicine. And what was Paul telling him? Calm down, dude. You're so scared and worried and upset that your stomach's tore up. Calm down. Look at this letter that, that Paul wrote to Timothy. And look what he said to him. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift or the purpose. Paul said, let me remind you. I'm reminding you. God has a purpose. He gave you a gift to do what you're supposed to do. You got some oil. If you were here last week. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee. 
by the putting on of my hands. Remember when I prayed for you, Timothy? Stirred up that gift. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That sound mind means right thinking. Right thinking about what? About who God is and who you are. Power, love, and a sound mind. Verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Different translations word that verse 8 differently, but be not ashamed of the testimony or of the story. He tells him to continue to speak about the call that was on your life and of your testimony of your God story, what God's done in your life. Speak. He said, don't be afraid. and Share your testimony. Speak, Timothy. Paul's telling Timothy, or this is like Batman writing a letter to Robin. Paul's in jail, so he can't be with him. He can't go to him. And he's telling him, look, continue to speak. Calm down. He's reminding him about the call on his life. And he's saying, speak. Give your testimony. Tell your story. Tell the story of God. Who God says you are. I'm going to look. I'm going to read you one verse in Acts 18.9. And then we're going to... Yeah, let's read that one verse and then we'll talk about it. Talk about this a little bit more. Acts 18.9 says this. If you want to turn with me. If not, I think it'll be up on the screen. Acts 18.9. Then spake the Lord to Paul. So look, this is what God said to Paul. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night. Why? Why in the night? Because most fear comes in the night. In the dark, even in the natural most fear comes at night or in the dark and, and in the spiritual realm in the dark or when things are cloudy, when you can't see, when you don't really understand or you kind of forget who you are, you forget who God is, you forget how powerful He is in the dark. When you can't see, that's when most fear comes in. That's when it, that's when it gets us. So the Lord came to Paul in the night by a vision and look what He said to him, be not afraid. So Paul was afraid. Rough, tough Paul. Paul was a terrorist. Paul was a murderer. God called Paul and we think of Paul as being so bold and he wrote so much of the New Testament and Paul was the number one voice to the church. But Paul was afraid. God came to him in a vision and said, be not afraid, but speak. Man, that's the same thing that Paul tells Timothy. Why? I guess it worked for Paul. God told it to Paul and then we fast forward to 2 Timothy, what we just read, and Paul's telling him, speak, tell your testimony, continue to speak, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. What if he's a really big man? He may set on you and hurt you. For I have much people in this city. What's God telling him? You're not alone. You're not alone, Paul. Fear will tell you that you're alone. 
fear will tell you that nobody loves me. Nobody's there. Nobody's on my side. Nobody's got my back. Nope. It'll isolate you. God's telling him here, you're not, you're not on your own. And he continued there. See, Paul was ready to quit. And after God told him that, he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. What did he do? He kept speaking. He did what God said. He kept teaching the word of God. He kept teaching. He kept saying what God had said to him, even though he was afraid. Speak life. Speak truth. You must replace that lie. You must replace the fear. You must replace the lie that fear is telling you with faith. God told Paul, speak. Don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Probably different for all of us. Why are you afraid? Think about that for a minute. Why are you afraid? Would you be afraid of a lion? A 1,000 pound lion? Probably, okay, yeah. See some nods, yeah. You're afraid of a 1,000 pound lion? What if he was in a cage that he couldn't get out of and you were holding a high-powered rifle? You still afraid? No. No, even the same people that just said they were afraid of the lion, now they're not afraid of him. Okay, what if two big muscular um, martial artists with knives broke into your house with the intent to hurt you and rob you, would you be afraid? Yeah, most people in here are saying yes. What if your dad was Superman and he was standing there behind the door, he had already hit the phone booth and switched into his costume and he gave you a little smile and a wink and said, it's okay, I got this. You afraid? No. Nobody's afraid anymore. So you would be afraid of the lion or you would be afraid of the robbers. The circumstance or the enemy is the same. It didn't change. What's the difference in you being afraid or not being afraid? We take away the fear by simply adding something more powerful than the enemy. The lion's the same. You take away the fear by adding a high-powered rifle. The robbers are the same. They're still muscular. They still got weapons. They're still highly trained. And but you added your dad, that Superman, so now you're not afraid. You didn't change the enemy. You just added something more powerful. David says over and over, oh, magnify the Lord. To magnify something is to make it bigger. Why? Because if God's bigger than everything else, then you're not afraid of anything else. Because God's so big. Psalms, um, we won't turn there, but Psalms 56.3. Um, David said, what time I am afraid? Or when I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. I'll trust you. I'll remind myself. I'll have some faith. I'll remember you. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out some fears. 
No, it says all fear. David wrote Psalms 56.3 that says, What time I am afraid I'll trust in thee. David wrote that while he was a prisoner of the Philistines. And they were going to kill him. Because he killed their champion, Goliath, and now they've finally caught up with him and they've got him and he was their prisoner. That's when he wrote that psalm. And God gave him a plan to, to get away and... His plan wasn't working. And then David writes Psalm 34, 3. After the king let him go. We're going to look at that. Psalm 34, 3. And we're going to wrap it up. Now let's start in verse 1. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. What? Good times, bad times, up times, down times, rich times, poor times. It's a decision, not a feeling. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to choose to magnify the Lord at all times. Not just in the good times. Not just when I'm not afraid. I bless the Lord at all times. David was reminding himself in a bad time. Remember I just told you he was in a pretty rough time right now. He thought he might die. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Not on just on Sunday morning. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify or make bigger the Lord with me. He's saying, come on, do it with me. Worship with me. Magnify God with me. You remind me. You know, I can remind you. That's what I'm doing right now. Reminding you how big God is. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us, as a community, us together, let us exalt His name together. You're not alone. I sought the Lord. And He heard me. And He delivered me from all my fears. So I didn't have to attack and fight every single fear individually. I just sought the Lord. I just magnified the Lord so much that I brought something so powerful into the scene that every fear got whooped. How do you make God big? Because God's, I mean, He's already as big as He's ever going to be. It's not like you can... Take an air pump and pump him up. Blow him up, make him bigger. He's already big. So how do we magnify the Lord or make God big? We, we remove the distractions. All the things that we've got in between us and God. All the things that we go to before we go to God. All these things. I hold my hand in the way. Well, guess what? I can't even see Jesse. But if I move my hand, my hand's still there. But now I can see Jessie. And she looks a lot bigger than this. Because I can barely see her through my fingers. we got to move the distractions to make God big. Magnify the Lord. Fear will distract you. It'll preach. 
It'll speak if you let it. And it'll make you question who you are. It'll make you question where you're going. And it'll keep you from moving forward. Remember Paul said, this one thing I do is forget the past. And I press on. You need to know that God wants you in. It's not that you never mess up. Paul was a terrorist. Then he met Jesus. And he wasn't afraid of anything. Once he learned to speak and he got... Got Jesus in him and on him. They tried everything with this guy. They tried to shut Paul down and to stop him. Hey, stop preaching. He said, uh, nope. They even picked up rocks and stoned him to death. And his community, his buddies, the other Jesus followers came and stood around his body praying. And he came back alive and he didn't run and hide. He just started preaching again. They're like, what? This guy's back. Man, we killed him three days ago and he's back out there preaching about Jesus again. What are we going to do to him? We're going to kill you. Paul said, well, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, okay, kill me and I'll go to heaven. Leave me alive and I'm going to keep on preaching. Okay, uh, uh, throw him in jail. That's what we'll do. We'll throw him in jail. Paul said, that's all right. I got some letters to write. That's what we're reading today is some of his letters that he wrote sitting in jail. That's all right. You couldn't make the circumstances so bad that he would be afraid. That he would give up or quit no matter what happened. He let God use it. He continued to speak about God. He continued to give testimony to God. To look for God in his situation. Fear will attack you where and when you are most anointed. Where God has called you. The area that you're most anointed, that's where fear will attack you most of the time. How do we do it? How do we remember God? How how do we have faith instead of fear? How, How do we remind ourselves who He is? How big He is? How do we magnify God? Isaiah 40 gives us a pretty cool way. We'll close with this. Isaiah 40. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. You can read along with me on the the screen. It says this. God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And He knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. What? But that's beautiful. And we've heard that verse. But how do you run? How do you fly? How do you walk? How do you even take a step for that matter and not grow weary? It tells us right there that you wait. 
Well, that makes no sense. How do I run and fly what I'm waiting to recover my strength? Because to me, when I think about weight, I think about weight. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting here waiting. That's confusing. Until you look up the meaning of that word weight. It was translated weight, but it's a Hebrew word. And listen to the meaning. It means to hope in. To be gathered. Gathered together. To hope for. To look for. Gathered. Gathering. To look for. To wait patiently. It means gather. Wait. Look. Hope. It's what we're doing right now. To wait on the Lord is to gather together. To connect to His body. To His community. To look and to hope. And to look for Him. No matter what situation you're in. No matter what you're going through. No matter what you're trying to do. That's why we're in each other's lives. We connect and say, hey, look. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit scared right now. And we remind each other who we are. And we remind each other how big God is. Sometimes I, I can let fear get in my mind and convince me that some bad stuff's going to happen or, or that I'm not good enough for my own insecurities, my anxieties, my fears. My, I can let that. But if I'll get around some people that God's called me to be around, that'll remind me, hey, God's way bigger than that. Hey, God's got plans for you. Like, like Paul did Timothy, remind me of the past. Remember those giftings that were stirred up on you? Paul said to Timothy, hey... Remember that scrappy teenager that I laid hands on and stirred up those giftings? Remember that. Stop being so scared and afraid. God's got a call on your life. God's got a purpose for you. That's what we're supposed to be for each other. Remind each other of the God story, of the testimony, and speak it. You need to speak it. God told Paul to speak it when he, don't be afraid, speak. Paul told Timothy, don't be afraid, but speak it. Give your testimony. Talk about it. Talk about God. Talk about how big He is. Speak those words of life. What are you doing? You're speaking truth that will replace the lie. Fear is just a lie. Speak the truth. Speak your testimony. Speak your God's story. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for being such a big and powerful God and powerful dad that we don't have to be afraid. Sword or pestilence or arrows or... But God, we're going to be honest with you as your kids and we're sitting here and we're going to tell you, hey, dad, sometimes we do get scared. We are afraid sometimes. So God, today, thank you for shining a light and reminding us that fear is a liar. God, today we magnify you and we remind ourselves how big you are. And God, today, we're reminded of the importance of gathering together with each other. We gather, we wait, we hope, we trust. Thank you for setting it up that way. 
thank you that we could never be all that we're called to be without other people. God, help us to love well. Help us to give all that we have and to to pour out because we know that you will fill us back up. God, I ask you to take away the fear. Take away that spirit of fear. If anybody in here is struggling with fear, and I believe we all are on one level or another, certain areas. God, I pray that you would take away the fear and that you would remind us of the truth and give us the boldness to speak that truth, to say it out loud. God, thanks for loving us. Thank you for just for who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen.